Hey, thanks for joining us on the C3 Oxford Falls podcast. If you'd like more information on C3 Church, please visit myc3church.net. We hope you enjoy this message. I got to tell you, I'm so thrilled to let you know Pilgrims, our newest C3 music album is already here. The songs on this album are for our journey in Jesus. No matter where we are on that journey, in the valley or on the mountaintop, His love is unchanging and so should our praise and worship be. Cannot wait for you to hear it. Head to iTunes or Google Play to download it today. Hey everyone, our annual Presence Conference. Wow, it's drawing so close. It's upon us already. John Gray, Jensen Franklin, Erwin Raphael McManus, Martin Smith, Levi and Nadia Mary Church will be joining Chris and I at the Sydney International Convention Centre, the ICC, 24th to the 27th of April. We've called it Freedom Is Here, believing that this and knowing that this is going to be a really wonderful time of people discovering their freedom in Christ. With 24 masterclasses, Presence Youth and Presence Kids, make sure you jump on presenceconference.com to see the full family conference we've prepared for you this coming April. Can't wait to see you there. Good morning, everyone. I know you're sitting down, but I just want you to stand up one more time, if that's okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Just reach out to God. Great weekend. The album launched tonight. Can't stop playing this record in the car. God has really crashed this album. I just want the band to come forward. We're going to sing the bridge of that song, None. And I want you to reach out to God. The best thing that we can do is to reach out to God. That's the ultimate reach out, yeah? Because worship relocates you on the inside. It takes you somewhere else on the inside. You can come into church having had the worst week. You start to lift your hands because God breathed the breath of life into Adam's nostrils, we're of that bloodline. Even though sin entered the world, we've got freedom through Christ, but the breath of God is still in our lungs, yeah? And when we worship, when we do what we were created to do and do the ultimate reach out, we relocate on the inside. We cross over, we touch eternity. Let's lift up His Name. Come on, Jonesy, let's sing that out. You declare every voice in this house. You watch what God does, come on. Thank You, God. We reach out to You this morning. We thank You for what You're doing in this house and for the great anointing that's on this house. Great anointing on our senior ministers, the blessing that falls when we're in worship. That as we lift You up, we breathe kingdom air. We're shifted on the inside. Picture comes into focus. We get perspective. Thank You, God, that everyone will be healed this morning. There's need of healing right now. Just receive it. You are healed. God wants you to walk in divine health. God wants you to walk in divine health. It's not the will of God that you be sick when you get in the presence of God. It gets burnt up in His presence. It gets burnt up in His presence. It gets vaporized in His presence. Oh, God, oh God. Pray you bless this congregation, God. Let us all be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray today as this Word goes out, it won't come back empty-handed, but it'll come back bearing fruit in the Name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Give God a hand while you're sitting down. Guys, you can split. Ryan Gosling, you can stay. What a great worship team. Don't miss tonight. 
the album launch. You're going to be hearing Danny Kaye speak. He's a terrific communicator of the Word, an amazing songwriter, a terrific husband and father. He's a great leader and a great creative minister. You don't want to miss, you don't want to miss the guys launching this album. It's a great series that we're in reaching out. Rich Forsyth was on last night, Pastor Rich, and then again this morning at the chapel service. And what a great message we heard from him. It's about all the people's lives that have been affected because he took a chance, because he actually took a chance to reach out and lay hold of those opportunities that are cleverly disguised. All those opportunities that God puts in front of you are always cleverly disguised. They're not obvious. Yesterday, I went to the Apple store to fix my middle child's phone, which had had the, the pin entered incorrectly several times it was disabled. And I don't know about you, but when they tell you it's 30 minutes at the Apple store, add two hours to that, bring a good book. I was there forever. When I got back to the car, the, the battery had gone flat. Okay, being born under a bad sign. My goodness, so I just waited. Somebody wanted the spot because the whole car park was exhausted. This person came along and said, look, you know, I love your spot, you're leaving. And, and Mickey looked out the window and said, no, we've got a flat battery. And he said, well, I'll start your car for you. He reached out to me and I was able to get going. And I was so impacted, I thought, God, the things you show me when I'm about to preach a message, I, I just, we talk about reaching out. It sounds cliche, but when you're on the receiving end of someone's generosity, it can change your whole perspective, your whole life. And, and this whole term of reaching out, it turns up in pop culture all the time. Lyrics to songs, movie lines, Daryl Hall and John Oates wrote a great, great song in the 80s called Out of Touch. And it's all about the frosty reception of society. He says, reaching out for something to hold, looking for the love where the climate is cold. I don't know if there's any people here that were born in the 70s. I'm a Gen Xer. Last, oh, there you go. Sharky's up the back. Thanks, Mark. Jesus sent them out in twos. Um, so, you know, we, we see this recurring theme of needing to reach out. It's in the hearts of all of us. The need to, to reach out, but also for someone to reach out to us. But most importantly, what we just did then, reaching out to God. It's a deep cry in all of our hearts. And, uh, you know, I want to talk to you today about the things that we personally need to do in order to reach out to God, but also the things that God does when He reaches out to us that we can sometimes miss because we're not paying attention or we're not aware of what He's doing. And the first thing is a personal one. Number one is this, you've got to let go of the past so that you can reach out and take hold of your future. You've got to let go of the past. Very hard to do when you've got those uh, things looping in your mind. Philippians 3.13, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, not two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, th one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. It can be extremely hard to forget the past when it's got a hold on your mind. When you keep looping it in your mind, looping it in your mind going back to that, those thoughts of, you know, forgiveness issues, unforgiveness in your heart or, you know, wanting forgiveness, you know, and we, so we loop these things in our mind and we get caught, we get mentally paralysed because you've got to forget that stuff. It actually takes faith to believe the Word of God and faith to believe that He actually wants us to forget. It almost seems too good to be true, but this is why it's called the good news. He says, forget the past. Because when you're holding on too tight to something, right, you're white knuckling and you're holding on, your hands aren't open to receive what God's got for you. They're just not open. And in our mind, we hold on. We hold on for dear life, wishing things could be different, thinking that if we replay things in our mind, it would just be different. Now you've got to let it go. Forget what is behind, lay hold of what is ahead. And the gap between the letting go and the taking hold of our future is the gap where we reach out. The second one is a relational reaching out for Christ. And that is this, you've got to go after the ones God has given you. 
You've got to go after those ones. In Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, I was chatting about this with my incredible father-in-law. It says this, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. It always happens at three in the afternoon, doesn't it? Three o'clock in the afternoon. Interesting on that note, Jesus gave up his breath at three o'clock in the afternoon, right? And what's interesting is that when the curtain of the temple torn, it gave us free access into the Holy of Holies. And uh, that's why spiritual baptism, and I keep talking about this, is so important. I teach this particular module in the college. Thank you, Pam, for the trust and for the opportunity. What an incredible college it is. If you haven't been to college or you're thinking about it, you've got to go because it's a chance for God to get His hands on your life. And when He gets His hands on your life, He's able to break some things on the inside, put them back together the right way and set you up for a win. Set you up to live your life well. And that's why our college exists. But I teach on this baptism of the Holy Spirit and how, you know, there's no, uh, it's no strange thing that we see this recurring number three coming up that actually when you look at the Trinity and the idea of rotation and the divine dance, God is the Trinity and how all the persons of the triune God fit together and operate in, this, in the sense of community, there's such power in the concept of three. And you know, it's interesting, there are nine gifts of the Spirit. Tongues is the least of the gifts, but you use it. It's the platform to get into the other eight. We see the gifts of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna talk a bit about that later on, but I'll read on. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from him. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Jesus would have walked past this beggar every day, his whole life, going up to the temple courts. He would have seen him. Why didn't he heal him? Because he knew it was the work for Peter and John. He knew that that man was the work of Peter and John and that was a man that was put aside for them to achieve that miracle. You've got to go after the ones that God puts across your path. And we only have enough time to do the will of God. We don't have less time. We don't have more time. And sometimes we get super busy in life, running around doing things that we think God expects and others expect of us. And sometimes wonder why we're so exhausted. I wonder if it's because we're not satisfied with just the one that God has made very obvious and put across our path. We've got to go after the one. He knew it was the work of Peter and John and Jesus knew what he was anointed to do. Do you know, it's interesting that they didn't give him any money. An instant response, I don't know about you, but when I want to reach out to someone and help, the quick fix is always good. I'm going to pay their rent. I'm going to give them some money. I'm going to make their life easier. But what's interesting is that if they get healed, this is interesting, there's been so many people that have been put across Michelle's in my path that we've seen over the years since high school. Sometimes you look at people and they're in a, in a dire situation, negative circumstances, but the, the thing is people get a lot of help down there. They get very comfortable down there. They get a lot of people reaching out to them down there. And there's maybe sometimes a reluctance to get out of that negative cycle and to look for the circuit breaker, which is Jesus, you know. To give somebody money is good up to a certain point, but there comes a point where you've got to cross over. 
You've got to cross over and reach Jesus Christ because then you're in a position where you can take responsibility for others and point them to Christ. Come on, give God a hand for that. That's a good point. You know, it reminds me of that joke about the, uh, the Australian and two foreigners in a pub, you know, and uh, the, the first foreigner goes in and he says, I'll have a gin and tea and send one to my friend Jesus down the end of the bar. Next one comes in and says, I'll have a pint of Guinness and send one to my friend Jesus down the end of the bar. And the Aussie comes in and says, give me a, a VB, not a craft beer, sorry, millennials. Give me a VB and send one to Jesus down the end of the bar. Jesus comes up to thank them for the drinks at the end, right? And he shakes the first man who's a foreigner by the hand and the foreigner says, oh, wow, I couldn't move my hand before. I was arthritic, I'm completely healed. He throws his arm around the next chap who was a foreigner, gives him, gives him a hug, thanks him for the drink, for the Guinness. The foreigner says, oh my gosh, I had a frozen shoulder before, it's completely healed. Goes to the Aussie and the Aussie says, don't come near me, mate, I'm on compo. <laughs> Sometimes when you get rescued, there's responsibility back on your shoulders to help other people and there are people that resist that kind of help. But God's interested in our breakthrough. We're all aware of those people who aren't as close to Jesus as they could be. Those who've been scattered on a dark and cloudy day. Those on high mountaintops of pride or stuck in low valleys of depression. Which are the ones that God has given you? I want you to identify those ones today. You know, uh, when Michelle and I got married, we were living in Gladstone Street in Newport. We got married at 21. And, uh, you know, we were hanging out one night. We ordered takeaway. We were watching a movie. Takeaway got delivered to our house. 20 minutes later, the delivery boy knocked on our unit, our, the door of our flat. And, you know, we're halfway into the movie and he said, oh, look, my car's broken down in the driveway of this unit block. People are trying to get in. They can't get in. They're honking. I'm a bit nervous. We don't have uh, insurance. You know, the whole sob story. And I said, oh, you know, well, thanks for letting us know and closed the door and then sat back on the couch. <laughs> and, but I sat down, immediately was convicted to go and reach out to this guy, convicted to reach out. So pause on the movie, went down, and I said, what seems to be the problem? And there's this string of cars, and he said, I won't start. And I said, well, lift the bonnet. He's laughing at me, he's teasing me. He's like, what do you think you're gonna do? And I said, lift the bonnet. I said, God, under my breath, I said, please don't make a fool of me. Please let something happen, let a miracle happen right now. So I said, just turn the key. I put my hands on the engine. He's looking out the window, he's going, what are you doing, you idiot? I'm praying, I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, start. And he turned the key, the thing started. Yeah, we get excited, right? We're easily impressed, don't we, Mark? You know, and I went round to the car and I said, how about that? And he looked at me and I said, do you know Jesus? And he said, I did, but I fell away. And I said, well, you're coming back right now. Lift your hands. This whole car is watching this whole thing. I put my hand on his chest. I imparted the power of God to him, led him back to the Lord. He drove off and went back to, to finish his deliveries. He was somebody that God had put across our path. Back, yeah, go on, give God a hand. Another time there was a woman on the Manly Ferry, she was limping. I'm a music student studying at the conservatorium. I'm an introvert, I don't like people. I just want me and my guitar and everybody else can go away. But I'm feeling like, no, 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 I need to pray for this one. I said, do you mind if I pray for your ankle? And she says, go ahead. I prayed, her eyes closed, tears. I'm praying the blessing of healing over her foot. Right, another time in more music, years ago in the 80s, another guy walked in and limped and I said, listen, please don't think of me as strange. All of a sudden, the traffic stopped. Everybody just turned around and looked. It was like a scene out of extras. I felt like Ricky Gervais. And I said, I just, I believe in the power of God. And I just want to pray and believe right now that you get healed. Closed his eyes, turned his palms towards heaven. It went quiet in the shop. He received. Okay. 
And when we first moved into our house in 2011, dear old Bill McCutton, my beautiful father-in-law, who can teach us all a thing or two about evangelism, there was all these tough guys, tough tradesmen, putting up blinds, digging dirt in the backyard, assembling things. And my beautiful wife, Michelle, got out these letters from a homeware store, L-O-V-E, love. Put it on the breakfast bar. And the big tough tradesman coming to get a glass of water and Bill looked at one of them and he said, wow, look at that. And the guy looked down at love and he said, wouldn't the world be different if we just had a bit of that in our lives? The guy burst into tears, crying like a little girl. And Bill said, don't you think it's time that you come to the Lord and receive Jesus? He's standing there, receive Jesus in my kitchen. The next tradesman came in behind him and said, what's going on? Saw the letters, love, he burst into tears. I'm thinking, I haven't got time for this. I got to get the turf laid in the backyard. You've got to go after the ones that God gives you. The impact that can it have on others when you reach out to them. You know, Elaine Ebsery, is Scotty Ebsery in the house today? No, Scotty? He's playing golf. Of course he is. He's playing golf. You know? <laughs> Scotty's beautiful mum, Elaine, came up to me at Scotty and Sonny's wedding and said, do you remember me doing reading groups with you in primary school? I said, actually, I do. She said, well, I used to pray for you every day that you would come to Christ. Pray that you do something with your life for Jesus. I used to diligently pray every morning. And when I saw him, when I leave school, I pray as well. She reached out to me. All my life, I'm going to be indebted to Elaine for those prayers that she prayed that I would come to Christ. Not growing up in a Christian family, but having somebody else reaching out on my behalf. What an incredible thing. Yeah, go on. You know, none of these times that we reach out for God are ever wasted. Okay, how does Christ reach out for us? I want to talk about three significant things that Christ does when He reaches out for us. And the first one is in moments of doubt. In moments of doubt. Gospel of Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 25, says this. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw Him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? The reason I talked about the Trinity before is that we all need Jesus, the man. The Trinity is so important some of us can't even bear the thought of father. There are some people I meet, you bring them to Jesus and they can't even bear the thought of a kind father. But they can certainly identify with Jesus the man who identified with their humanity, who identified with their pain, who identified with them in their moments of doubt. Towards the end of 2015, I felt such a reckoning and a rumbling going on inside of me and it was something that I didn't go looking for but it came to me and it was very, very difficult because all of the good feelings of God suddenly evaporated. And I thought, uh-oh. And it wasn't a day, a week, or a month. It had now become just over a year. And that's really nerve-wracking when, you know, you've cried out to God and you've felt His presence and you've seen lives change. But then all of a sudden, those feelings, those good feelings of God evaporate. And the faith that has worked for you and served you for 25 years stops working, right? It's easy to go to the place of doubt. What have you done wrong? What have you said wrong? How, where did you go off course? And I now look back and realise that it was a moment of actually ceasing a bit of an active life and doing the journey within. And when you do the journey within, God has a tendency of pulling out these deep root systems that you didn't realise were there and breaking certain things and diminishing certain things 
in your life, in your interior world that you didn't know were there. And in those moments, he burns away those false layers so that you don't take them into your future. But that can create a huge moment of doubt. And God does it very often because he wants to know what we really believe. God wants to know where our faith is. There'll be moments in life where faith gets tested, but you need to understand that Jesus doesn't leave you in those moments of doubt. Jesus doesn't leave you in those moments where you're second guessing your faith. He will always reach out and recover you and break your fall. That's the kind of God He is. The second one is in moments of sickness. In moments of sickness. In Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 13, it says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him. I want to hear, say here today, church, that God's love isn't defined by our circumstances. And that's a huge growth point for us as believers when we move into maturity as disciples of Christ to understand that just because prayers have not been answered, just because things haven't gone the way you thought they should have or would have gone, just because it doesn't always line up to your expectations or to what you, the Scripture promises us regarding fulfilment, doesn't mean to say Jesus is not there ready to reach out. Our circumstances exist so that we can reach out to God. Our circumstances that we find ourselves in are the perfect platform for us to go after Jesus and to reach out beyond what is normal for us and so that God can reach out to us. I want to ask you this morning, church, what are you anticipating from God? What are you anticipating? There are certain symptoms of a distant life from Jesus that we have to be aware of both self and spiritually. We have to be self-aware and spiritually aware of those symptoms and those signs of a distant life from Jesus. And one of those things is when we anticipate judgment and punishment. When we start to anticipate those things, that is a huge red flag. That's a huge warning shot across the bow that we have actually moved away from Jesus, that we need to come back, that we need to draw close to Him and recover a right anticipation, a right anticipation of the good things of Jesus. If it's judgment and punishment, it needs to turn around today and become love, grace and provision. You know, I love the, the person of David in the Bible. Pat Ancliffe was preaching a couple of weeks ago. He talked about how he resonates and identifies with the person of Paul. Well, for me, I've always gelled with the heart of David and I've always been thankful to God for those Psalms because... Psalms are a very important part of the Bible. They give us the freedom to process the issues of the heart. David didn't stick around in destructive patterns. He was always moving. He was always worshipping. He was always crying out to God. He was getting things done. But the, the Psalms actually give us the freedom to process those raw emotions and not cover over weakness and cover over shame and cover over brokenness. When he says in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. We've often said that the Lord is my shepherd He's going to provide all my needs. Well, whilst that's also tr that's true, it's also true that David was saying, the Lord is two inches from my face. There's nothing else that I want. I just want Jesus. I just want God. I just want intimacy. When he says in Psalm 
37, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Not that you tick all the boxes and all your prayers are answered. No, no, no. As you love God, He rewires your taste buds. As you love God and you draw close to Him, everything changes. Your interior world changes. Your appetite for God changes. Your desires align with His will. It's very important to draw near to God because as we draw near to God, not only does our image of Him get healed, but in the process, our image of ourself gets healed. And when that happens, our relationship with others is maximised. Intimacy with God, it all starts there. The band can come. You know, the last way that Christ reaches out to us is in our final moments and in those moments of desperation. Luke 23, verses 39 to 43 says this, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence. We're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus will reach out to you even when you think it's all over. There are moments when we are convinced it's all over and how could God save a person like me? How could God reach out to a person like me? You don't know what I've done. He knows what I've done. How could I even face him? Well, you know, Jesus has this way of slowing down time so that he can get to us in just the nick of time. He's a way of slowing things down so he can get in touch with us and reach us right where we need to be reached. Just with your eyes closed here, I'm just gonna read these last things. The final time Jesus reached out for us was when He gave His life for us on the cross. It was the ultimate stretch because it reached humanity without conditions attached. And all that is required of us in response is that we reach out and accept the gift that is Jesus Christ. I just want your eyes to be closed here. I just want you to wait for one minute before we continue the next part of the service. Hey everyone, what a joy it is to bring the Word of God to so many people all around the world every week. And I just love technology for that reason, that we're able to broadcast through television, through podcasts, through social media, and to bring Jesus into people's worlds in all kinds of ways. Obviously, there are costs to that. There are uh, expenses in reaching out and accomplishing this preaching of the Gospel. And in the book of Romans, Paul says, how shall I go unless somebody send them? And he's talking about the beautifulness of, of the preaching of the Gospel, how it brings peace and joy into people's worlds. And so the people who are sending us into other people's worlds is you and the people of our congregations. And I'd love you to join with them and with us as partners, sending the Gospel throughout all the world through all these means that God has put in our hands. And as we partner together, I know that there will be thousands of people in heaven for eternity because of our efforts together. God has called us to do this and we depend on people to send us and support us in taking the Gospel to the world. I wanna say thank you for 
standing with us and believing God. I'm praying and asking God to touch you and to bless your seed that you sow so that you'll experience an incredible harvest in your lives, in Jesus' Name, Amen. At C3, we love stories. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, email us at stories at myc3church.net. You can also download the C3 Church app to keep up to date on events, listen to our latest album, and give as part of our tithes and offerings. We hope you have been blessed by this message. Use the handle at C3 Oxford Falls to follow us on social media.